Sunday night I'd watch the practice with none of my friends I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends But I'm out to practice With your host, Keith Varney Joseph in Deglio. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. This week, the convergence of Keith and Mike. I'm uncomfortable. Two young, supple, supple, supple little babies. Gross. (laughs) Why are we starting the podcast that way? Gross. You can talk about your own self as a baby. That's cool. I'm I'm so sorry, everyone. Uh, Yeah, so... (laughs) Welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, which you've already unsubscribed from. This is, uh, you know, a weekly show where we talk about David E. Kelly's award-winning practice, award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we are up to season eight, episode six, The Lonely People. Uh, Yeah, Mike, how's it going? That's us. It's pod, you know, it's it's a uh, episode about podcasters before podcasting was even, uh, you know, created. It's Monday morning. It's winter yet again, and that's having repercussions on our faces, Keith. Uh, I think, <laughs> you know, I made a decision late last night because uh, the the NCAA tournament wasn't particularly interesting at towards mm-hmm. the evening hours, and Jen was out of town doing a gig, so I thought, you know what? I saw some of these movies. I'm going to watch the Oscars. Oh, and yeah. And started off, and let me tell you, Holy crap. Uh, if there was a better distillation of just the sort of uh, national mood, I think it was the Oscars. I'm just going to say this. We we've, we went from, like, last year, every, we did it digitally, and everybody was really respectful. And then this year, no masks, which, you know, they had their policy, whatever it is. But, like, it was a joke. The fact that we're all there and, like, that there's no masks and it's all, like, it was just a big joke. Uh, we move, so that feels about right. That's about where I think the national mood is, where I, at least where I live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, just like grown men, uh, the most powerful, richest, most famous people in the world, just like think it's cool to just like roll up on stage and just bitch slap somebody, and then just like sit down, win an award, and then go out and party all night. And that's like, and we're gonna give them standing ovation. I'm not look. I I I, I have I'm still I'm still shook from it all. So I but. Holy crap. Let's just say it was insane. Everything's insane. And that's even and that's not even to consider all the crap in the Supreme Court and people this but it things things be crazy right now, Keith. You know, we are not in a place of uh great maturity as a species. There you go. There you go. You know, as a species we're 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 not doing great in terms of uh uh for lots of various reasons. Uh yeah. Uh, it's a mess. 
it's a mess. We're uh, we're kind of a messy species at the moment, but soon global warming will wipe us all out. But so. I will say, last last update, mm-hmm. last little bit of housekeeping. At least, Keith, yes. with all this craziness going on, you and I have begun our. I don't know if we said it on this pod yet. So, uh, have begun our full next venture, uh, and that was fun. So we had like two, two, three, four, five hours of podcasting yesterday, and we're still here. Yes, no, indeed. None of us got into a physical altercation. Well, we can't because it's over Zoom. I'd just be punching my own computer. <laughs> and What's... don't do that because there are seven monitors. What is the... Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I I think it's not much of a secret anymore, but we are doing a Deep Space Nine recap series, uh, which is uh, very exciting for me. I don't know about for Mike, but for me, it's super crazy exciting. And then we'll be debuting that on April 13th of the 22, if you're listening to this years ago. Uh, or years in the, if you're listening to this years ago, I you know help me with the time machine. I got some things I want to fix. But if you're looking listening to this years in the future, uh, it's probably going to be there on the YouTube's for you. So yeah, I don't know. Did we decide if we're going to release it on an RSS for a podcast yet? Probably. Maybe I don't see why not. I don't see why not. I mean, we yeah. we possibly can. I mean, I certainly would prefer to uh, view it without having to see us. Yeah, that's a good I point. Mean, that's definitely the more preferable uh, viewing experience for yeah, me. Yeah, so it's going to be much like out of practice here. We have little fun awards at the end. It's just not as – it's it's half the length, and you don't have to actually listen to the episode with us. So although right. you can watch it with me, it, we, we, the, the Patreon's not live yet, so I'm not going to – we're not going to talk about that yet. But, yeah, there are lots of options. We're doing another show. We're not going anywhere, but you still have about seven years of this show, so don't don't sweat it. Don't sweat it. Okay, well, uh, so we have some fun uh, interaction with our folks in a segment we call Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Okay. You're definitely saying either peanuts or penis. Subpoenas. Subpoenas. No, right, whatever. Apparently, uh, you don't so, have to listen to subpoenas, though, Keith. You can just ignore them. You, apparently, yeah. I mean, if, uh, <clears throat> I don't know what a subpoena is anyway. I ate a subpoena at once. It was too close to a vegetable. I went back my hamburger. All right, so, uh, <laughs> so stupid. That was so bad, but really funny. <laughs> so at the, uh, at the end of last episode, we were uh I we we we're we're not having the smoothest of episodes and and at the end I I challenged our listening audience just because I was curious is anybody actually listening all the way to the end in our post credit scene yeah, and uh, it's the best part it's it's really not but uh, so I cha- so I said and uh, folks sorry it is now expired uh, but I said <laughs> if you Listen all the way to the end. Send us an email at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com, and I will send you your own award in outstanding achievement in listening all the way to the end. And uh, guess what? Of course. Uh, we, of course, had some uh, had some awards that I did create and send out. Uh, of course, Scott Moppin sent... Uh, sent us a uh why doesn't google let me just see all of the emails why does it have to like try to be try to like outsmart itself it's very annoying have you met google uh, 
I know. Well, anyway, so Scott says, I don't need an award, but I do need to see what the award Keith promised to make would set and send would look like. So I guess I do need award an award. So of course I did send the award, the graphics. I did the whole thing, got into Photoshop. And uh, as it turns out, Scott was not the only person out there because we uh, just mainly because I didn't have the list in front of me. I mentioned that the... Uh, that our, our, some of our subscribe monthly subscribers or monthly, uh, benefactors, it, some of them had, had expired and fallen off. And it, I mean, cause good Lord, I think that's just good sense, but guess what? Uh, we heard right back. Were there Russian oligarchs and their accounts had been seized? I think that's possible. It's possible mm -hmm. that they're all oligarchs. Uh, but we heard from an old friend. It's CloudLover69. Uh, haven't heard from CloudLover in quite some time. But guess what? Uh, they said, Hi, Mike and Keith. Just listened to the latest ep, and I heard I wasn't a founding sponsor anymore. Sad face. Looks like my subscription lapsed last October, and I didn't notice. Uh, shocked face, crying face. I just resubscribed, so hopefully I get to hear you say Cloud Lover 69 at the end of every episode. Happy face! Have a good weekend, my parasocial friends. It's looking like a rainy rain, rain, one up in Pennsylvania. Hope you get some sunny spring days soon. Sun emoji, lol, lots of love. Uh, looks like a, a crying sun cloud emoji, cloud lover 69, crying sun cloud emoji. So, now, of course. I, I, listen, cloud lover yeah. and I are clearly friends. I mean, it gives me the Pennsylvania forecast and all. I, That's right. I do have to say, though, since you had, since your subscription had lapsed, cloud lover, perhaps you do owe us all that back pay that accumulated while you weren't you... subscribed anymore. Definitely do not. That is, <laughs> I, did, I, I see what you did there. Okay, thanks. I need, just need an yeah. acknowledgement, really. Yeah, no, that was a pretty sleety joke. Mm. <laughs> 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 Why are you listening to us? Why are we doing this? <laughs> Why are you listening? I don't understand. Oh, boy. Whew. So there it is. Great to hear from CloudLever69, and thank you for uh, continuing to sponsor our nonsense. Very much appreciate it. So uh, now that we have heard from uh, some of our good friends out in the uh, Ethernets, I think it's time to hop back into the time machine. Wait, because no, no, no. There's another whole email in there by a good friend, Phoenix Cage. Is there? I didn't see it. Well, let me see if I can pull it up. Cause you, you know, you you promised it was there, but I did not see it. Is it that uh, Phoenix just? Oh wait, here it is. I I got it. I got it. Mm. So uh, about the uh, sorry, Phoenix moderator, Phoenix Cage, ex moderator, because we're not on YouTube anymore. He talks about the practice eight hundred five, the heat of passion. You guys see someone who is running what can easily easily be described as a cult and is accused of ordering a murder. From what you made various from uh, from that you made various analogies, yet somehow never mentioned Charles Manson. That's an odd knowledge gap, especially for a true crime aficionado like Mike. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's, we, that's that was low hanging fruit, and we did not catch it. You're right, but um, I think 
more so than the religious connotation of cult, I think his that analogy is, is best because it's kind of a cult of personality, a cult of ideas, uh, as batshit as they are, and I think that that's exactly exactly right here. Um, and as we know, Manson, his because he sort of, well, he he directly ordered those murders, so it's hard to really draw. We don't know yet if there was a direct code red order here from our. Uh, are soft-spoken racist, so it's. I think there's well, more I, to discover this week. Well, well, here's here's the the di- here's why I didn't make that connection, and I think that's because uh, the murder on the practice was a practical murder, not a political murder. It wasn't murder this person to get attention. It wasn't murder this person to like send a message to Zenu or to try to like whatever. It was I, it was literally like, hey, this guy pissed me off. This guy's in our way. You know, get revenge on this person. So it didn't feel as attached to the mythology of the cult. It mm-hmm. felt more like a basic murder. This guy. I think that's what it, that's that was the. I don't think Shannon Tate was like a. She cut me off in traffic. Right. I think right, it right, was. Right. I I think it was. Uh, so that is why I think the connection wasn't made, Phoenix. But uh, there it is. I look forward to the correction uh, <laughs> coming up next week. <laughs> All right. Well, now. Is Hold it now on. time, Mike? Oh, no. Jesus. Now it's time for a segment I didn't tell Keith we were going to do. But since my proclivity towards uh, true crime documentaries has been has been evoked, I think it's time for a brief Another episode of That's really loud. Speaking of loud, I was actually trying to segue into our even louder bumper. Are you kidding me? No. You know... So, just, just a little broadcasting conversation here. You're like, so, you know... I now since we're talking about true crime in history, I'd really like to talk about a segment that we usually do, and it's more TV. Come I on. believe what I said was since my, my proclivity towards true crime documentaries has been evoked, that tells me we're talking about watching true crime documentaries. It says you didn't say TV; you said true crime. My bumper says true crime. Sir. Okay, uh, folks, what do you think? What, what which bumper would you have played? Uh, <laughs> I think I'd I think I'd play this one. <laughs> that was so funny, but I still love you. <laughs> I mean, I'm very funny and charming. What can I say? Yeah, so well, there it is. Uh, I believe I talked about Undercurrent before. Netflix has this new jam. Uh, I started. I, I, I will mention quickly that I started watching the. Evan Rachel Wood documentary. Uh, that one's very. Um, oh yeah. I, I she's she's claiming her narr- she's claiming her story back. I, it's it's just kind of a difficult watch. Um, but it's 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 pretty good. That one's on I believe HBO Max or Hulu. I can't quite remember. But where I actually one I I'm not finished it, so I don't I want to I don't want to make comment yet. What I did finish and what I want to put out there is Netflix has a pretty good one called uh, Bad Vegan. And it's a four-parter, so it's about four hours of your time, and it's about uh, Real Food and Wine, which is a very famous vegan rest- raw food restaurant in New York City. 
that was run by this really, uh, edu- really, par- I don't want to say powerful, just really uh, interesting young woman um, who just kind of was decided to open this place and it was really popular and she had a huge following. And she gets mixed up with this crazy dude, this hustler, this this con artist who like totally brainwashes her despite how brilliant she is as a businesswoman. And they end up basically uh, funneling almost $3 million out of the restaurant into his gambling addiction. And it, it was this big salacious story in the news. All you ever heard about it, because you know tabloids, was that they got caught in Canada, I think, uh, order because they ordered Domino's pizza. And that was the big thing. Oh, bad vegans. But the story is actually... <laughs> The story is actually one uh, that is really interesting sort of exploration about conditioning and brainwashing and how uh, you can have cult ideas sort of implanted in you because of because of situation and it's it's one of those things where I think a huge chunk of the huge chunk of the audience will be like oh well they she shouldn't have fallen for it blah 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 I wouldn't have I wouldn't have but the whole point of a lot of these swindler type of uh, documentaries is that it's crazy what you can be convinced of by the by a by a, a convincing enough sociopath. So, uh, bad vegan. It's on Netflix. I think it's worth checking out. They put out a lot of kind of not great documentaries or docu series or some that I would say aren't worth your time. But this one I think is worth a watch. Okay, that's it. Bad vegan, folks. There it is. More TV. Can we please, for the love of God, yes, yes, go into the time please. machine? Sure. All right, Mike. What was going on? Stay in the basement. Keith, I'm gonna let you go first because I think uh, I think we were doing kind of the same thing. Yes, I'm ex- I'm excited about this. I actually texted Mike when I when I discovered this in the email, uh, and I think I didn't clock it in the last week because I must not have emailed about it. But uh, as many of you longtime listeners know, Mike and I met on uh, a little musical national tour of Titanic. And this week, I emailed my folks to say that I booked Titanic. And uh, so I was clearly auditioning for uh, for this show and finally booking it, which was very exciting. Um, yeah, so this was a really, really big deal for me um, because it was my first professional gig. Um, it was a pretty good first professional gig. Uh, I mean... In in very large finger quotes, um, but it was for me at at that point, and I, I think I mentioned last week how poor I was and how I was sort of desperately trying to, uh, you know, get some sort of a job performing, and this was a really exciting thing. Um, I wish that I remembered more of the audition process. You know, it's it's so funny. Like you you think I will never ever forget that experience. And then here I am 19 years later. I don't quite remember. I think we must have auditioned at Shetler. Shetler 939. Shetler 939. Um, and uh, if you don't, I guess uh, probably very few of you have gone to a, uh, an open call audition in New York. <laughs> um, but at that, at that point, I guess it's still this way, especially for the non-equity auditions. Um, they basically said, I probably saw in Backstage magazine, which was a newspaper at that time, um, and had the audition call for the non-equity tour of Titanic. They say, be here at this time. The auditions start at 9. 
And so you uh, you have to get there super early to sign up because you you they you audition in the order that you sign up. So uh, some people get there at like six o'clock in the morning to be early on the list. I I'm sure that I didn't do that, but I had to have gotten there relatively early to get in the sign up. And then uh, typically how it works, you go in one by one. You have 16 bars of music to sing. Um, I don't know what I sang. I don't remember, but I obviously must have gotten a callback. And I don't know where the callbacks that day might... Did, did you do the same thing? Did you also audition in person or because you knew somebody? So, well, it was kind of both. My my understanding, my guesstimation is that the callbacks were the same day because what I remember happening was I had talked to uh, our PSM for that tour, Leslie, who was the PSM on Forever Plaid that I was doing in Rochester, um, about the gig. And I was like, well, I would really like to do that. But as I recalled, I hadn't... I, we were in Rochester at the time, and I didn't think I'd be able to get into New York for the auditions. Uh, nor, to be honest, was I particularly interested um, uh, trying to make that work. But she had to go in, so I went with her, and they, you know, she, whatever. That my in wasn't that I just got the job. My in was that they got me to callbacks, so that I didn't have to go uh. but early in the morning. And we drove in that day, and I think my callback was at like four o'clock, five o'clock, sometime like that. It was a Monday for sure. Um, and my understanding is that they, it was at it was at Shetler. I got material. I, I, I remember I got some of the Barrett stuff, which I liked because Titanic, for those of you who don't know, the musical is is more of a legit show, which is like an opera kind of sound for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. That's not really what I do. So I was happy to get the material that was the least like that. Um, and I remember getting really nicely dressed up, which ended up being a mistake. I remember talking to Dom, the director, years later, and their goal, they said this, and this is no disrespect to our buddy uh, Devin who booked that role, but they were like, we were looking for like the most long-haired, kind of like um, unkempt person who walked in. That's what we were looking for. And that was what kind of Devin's vibe was at the time. Um, and I was I was like all clean cut, and I just completely remember making all the wrong choices. I later learned I made all of the wrong aesthetic choices. Um but yeah, I went in, 9.39, Shetler, we parked. I remember getting a hot and crusty, uh, which was like a sandwich shop. Did the audition. I remember meeting Brian Murphy. That's the only person I remember meeting at those uh, auditions. Murph. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, a couple, not long after that, it was right by my around my birthday, which was November 13th, that uh, I remember, I think, I think maybe I wasn't going to get it at first, and then they like... A, a, a spot opened up on the ensemble uh, because uh -huh. I got the call closer to my birthday. I remember about booking. Yeah, um, you were a track. You were like a principal track. Well, you were a part. Well, like it's an ensemble part. show. Yeah. Everyone's sort of a principal track. So you got a call earlier. But regardless, um, at, to Keith's point, and just you know, as you're prone to uh, self-deprecation, so I want to point out, you know, regardless of the level, to book any work. From a New York City audition is yeah. is a life achievement. You know, maybe it's not it's not Broadway. This was not a Broadway tour, but it was it was a thing, and uh, uh, it was it's it's not nothing. You know, a lot of people auditions for these shows, and and to be frank, doing it, I met some people that are still in my life today. Uh, so, yeah. You know, oh no, I mean, I like I I don't mean to, uh, you know, because. 
to to sort of make fun of the level of the tour like yeah of course that really speaks more to how crappily we were paid yeah, yeah. <laughs> than uh than anything else um but gosh, not i should also say schedule. not only that tour also look I'm not. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. the The Forever Plaid situation I was in was was an exploited was an exploitive, sort of abusive relationship. This guy this this guy was was exploiting us as workers, and was like verbally abusive to us. And we thought we were kind of conditioned, and I, as I think too many performers were, that we had to take it. And so when I booked this was when I rallied the troops and we told this guy to go f himself, and that we weren't, and we just quit. We quit, and. That forced them. That really screwed them, and it and it was deserved. And I had the tour not come around. I think I would have got stuck there for a lot longer. And I'm mm. so I'm thankful that it turned. It panned out the way it did. No, I mean I'm tremendously thankful for the tour. I mean we'll and we'll talk much more about it as we as uh, we we'll move hear, forward. We'll hear from it. We're gonna hear from the entire tour. But uh, but yeah, no, I mean and you know for me, just to get a call back and to go through that process was I mean terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but it was, it was, it was great. I don't remember who I auditioned for coming back. Um, I don't know what the callback sides. I have no idea. I, I, Don Ruggiero, right. That was the director. Mm-hmm. And then the music director was, uh, uh Jeffrey Buck, Bucksbaum. Bucksbaum. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Corey, so that's all I remember. So there it was. I was pretty damn excited, uh, to have booked this. Who'd you ch- uh, right. Your mom. I wrote, yes. So I wrote. Uh, here we go. I have, I, I have a response from my grandfather. Yes. They asked, said, yeah, I won't get my equity card out of it. It's a non-equity tour, (laughs) but, uh, it is, it's great to get my foot in the door. And from this job, I expect some real jobs. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, but actually interesting. I have the, I had the initial tour schedule in my email. That was really fun. Um, if you if you wanted like a a long list of cities that you've probably never heard of, that would be our tour schedule. Mm-hmm. But we did it anyway. Um, so anyway, we will we will talk much more about that. So technically, Mike and I I don't think have met yet at this point because we probably unless we happen each other in the hallway. I'm sure we were both in the same room, uh, but I I don't think we like chatted. No, but who knows. It, you know, it, it's it's entirely possible. It it is not surprising that you did chat with Murph because that's that's how he rolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, there it is. Con- you know, stay tuned because we have a lot more from that world. But now it's time to look at the bigger world. In it's time for the out of practice podcasts. This day in the world, the greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from twenty years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Okay, yes, of course we were still listening to Baby Boy, Beyonce featuring Sean Paul. Who are we listening to today? Well, today we are listening to a live cover by Alex Vargas, live at the Melkweg. Um, and this is on the uh, YouTube page of Ludwig Rollin. So Ludwig Rollin, we thank you. Uh, this was in Amsterdam back in 2018. Very cool. And this is, I, I forgot to mention, it's November 2nd, 2003. I was too excited to talk about Titanic. I didn't even talk about what day it was. November 3rd, and no? November 2nd. Okay. Unless I'm wrong. No, you're right. You're right. I'm wrong. Ah ha ha! Um, 
All right, so the local Burlington Free Press talked about the Dean machine because this was uh, as Howard Dean's presidential campaign continued rocketing forward uh, before the Dean scream. But uh, yeah, he was definitely working his way up to be a top candidate in the Democratic nomination process. The top movie continued to be Scary Movie Meanwhile, 3. Meanwhile, a tornado in Charleston threatens a clothing optional beach where just yesterday a naked couple was brutally murdered. This just five miles from the spot where the last naked couple was brutally murdered. Uh, how hysterical. Hilarious. But you want to know what's even more hilarious? It's time, it's time, time, it's time. It's time for sports. The New York football giants beat the Jets 31-28 at Giant Stadium, raising their record to 4-4. Four four. Kerry Collins threw for 303 yards and two touchdowns with a money tumor catching 127 yards and a touch. These overcame four touchdowns from Chad Pennington, three to Santana Moss. Meanwhile, the Eagles beat Doug Peterson and the Lowly Falcons, 23-16 in the Georgia Dome. Stupid Eagles. All right. I'm a human being. God, God damn, damn it. it. My life it. has value, and I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. Oh. We are talking about The Practice, Season 8, Episode 6, The Lonely People. And it was directed by Christina Musri and written by Lucas Ryder and David E. Kelly. Which leaves us with only one important question. What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? You know, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Yeah, what would have happened? No idea. Uh, Good to see that uh, we're uh, still talking about the same cases from the past couple of weeks. Uh, So, the lonely people, I'm going to make some decisions here. Uh, I think... Keith, what we've been sorely lacking since we've had such great romantic chemistry between Alan and Tara, we've Uh been missing that sweet, beautiful relationship dysfunction that we've come to know and love Mm. from the last two seasons with Bobby and Lindsay. So I think that this week, things with Eugene and Jamie uh, jump the shark. Whereas it's been kind of oh. cute, and they've been where it's gone something something nutty in there. Some big issue is going to present itself that's going to create a conflict for them. Uh, so they're either going to break up, or it's going to create that sort of moat that they have to traverse in order to fix their relationship. So something big is coming in the relationship with Eugene and Jamie. Number one, uh-huh. but the troubles for Eugene don't stop there, Keith, because this week, whilst he is being defended by Eugene. Racist guy puts out a silent hit on Eugene, Keith. I think the racists are coming for Eugene this week. I think for oh. him physically. I think that we have oh, uh, crazy stuff in that department. And then finally, somehow, we finally put to bed the peppermint twist this week. Ah, 
and someone dies. Someone like in our cast or just in general? No, no, no. I think the peppermint twist guy. Like, like poor man's Harlan Bassett is going to die. Okay. All right. Well, that's uh, a that's a huge episode. I've just <laughs> just been. I'm excited. I'm on board. <laughs> Gonna uh, put uh, murder Bassett in a basket and find out what happens. All right. Well, let's 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 see the show. Let's see what happens. The practice, season eight, episode six. Oh, look at all the lonely people. What kind of business was your dad in? Commercial real estate. He would buy properties, then try to flip them for profit. And uh, at some point, he bought the building where the defendant had his church. Yes. He knew about Mr. Macklin's organization, Institutional this Racism. This witness is Chris That's Gardner. what he called it. He said it was up to people like us to do something about it. So what exactly did he do? Well, after he bought the building, he served a notice of eviction to Mr. Macklin to get his church out of there. And what happened? Mr. Macklin went to court to fight the eviction. He lost. And then? So I had Mr. That Macklin yes, came up to my week. dad in the courtroom and said that it wasn't over. He just kept saying that. It isn't over. The next day, my dad was shot dead. Right in front of me. I know that this is difficult, Mr. Coleman. Could you tell us what you saw? We were leaving work. My dad and I walked out to his car, which was out front like it always is. And a young man, a white guy, came up and started shooting and shooting. Did he say anything? Yes. After the gun was empty, he turned to me and said, courtesy of John Macklin. Now, it should be mentioned uh, that, generally speaking, when I do crimes, I always say courtesy of Keith Varney. Oh, no, of course, of course. I mean, I, I certainly want credit. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's very important. It's good performance, though, by Chris Gardner there. Who you might know from Oz, the college tapes, and uh, voiceover work in Star Trek Into Darkness, Star Trek. So I clearly got uh, a whole bunch of factual things wrong last week. <laughs> last week I was like, uh, I was like, oh, the racist owns the building and it's kicking out black people. It's quite literally Next the opposite. Up is the shooter Danny Grant. Now there seems there's no record of him before 1997. Do you know if he has another name? Many of my people changed their names once. I can't be concerned with many people. Not at the moment. Only Danny Grant. This kid could bury you, Mr. Macklin. Now, if we could expose some prior record... I know what you're trying to do. It's John Walcott back you're as You're trying Macklin. to expose a previous homosexual life. I have no knowledge of any such history with Danny Grant. Do you know anything? Just that he was a runaway. Who seemed oh, like a terrific kid. Yeah. We need something, Mr. Macklin. This kid is the prosecution's whole case. Well, I can tell you that he's a liar because I never instructed him to shoot anybody. Whose sister? Richards. My best and friend. Ken Hudson Campbell back with Roland Huff. Why do you want me to go see his sister? Because... 
Richard and I grew up next to each other. My parents were never around, so I was pretty much raised by Richard's family. And I was very close to his oh, sister. Oh, he looks like, he looks like us, Keith. I need for you to say how sorry <laughs> I am. How truly... We need to apologize to Ken Hudson Campbell. Would you please tell her I'm sorry? Yes. Are you doing okay otherwise, Roland? Well, My know. head feels funny. I been podcasting don't handle for loneliness hours. well. How soon can I get out? It's uh, going to take a while. You, you, you can, didn't can you murder a guy? Up? Uh, and, head, and your wife? Feels very funny. I'm not handling this well. The church saved my life. Specifically, what happened when you joined Mr. Macklin's group? I went through intake, just like everybody else. You know, Keith, it, it dawns the on first me three months that no one training. has brought up the fact that After this parallels that, itself with, with, with the Charlin what Manson murders a little bit. After that, we started classes with Mr. Macklin. What kind of class? History, religion. He said <laughs> he like had to reverse the damage of our government education. You were trained to fight. This is Andrew Leeds. We were trained to stand ready. We were soldiers in the Divine Army. We could be called upon at any time. And did the day come when you were called upon? Yes. When I left camp, I was assigned to a recruiting unit. I went to schools, parks, looking for newbies. But when Mr. Macklin started going to court, I got moved to his security detail. So you were there the day the judge's ruling came in? Yes. What was Mr. Macklin's reaction? He was angry. I had, I had never seen him so upset. What happened next, Mr. Grant? Back at his office, he told everyone to get out, except me. He said he had a mission for me. He said the church looked weak. People needed to be shown our vengeance would be swift. And he assigned me a mission. What was your mission? To eliminate Mr. Coleman. He used those exact words? Yes. Mm. Eliminate Mr. Well, that, Coleman. That's not good. And did you? Sir? The next day, I shot him. Did you make a deal with the district attorney? In exchange for testimony against my client, your sentence for murder would be reduced. Yes, but I'm testifying truthfully, Mr. Young. Were you testifying truthfully when you told us your name? Danny Grant isn't your name, is it, sir? It is today and has been for several years. Did you change it legally? No. Then what's your real name? Daniel Johnson. Where are you from, Daniel Johnson? Philadelphia. Got a criminal record as Daniel Johnson? As a teenager, I committed a few burglaries. One assault. Apparently, Philly gonna You said you were assigned to Mr. Mm -hmm. Macklin's security detail. In truth, you begged for that assignment, did you not? I asked for it, yes. In fact, you repeatedly asked for any and every assignment that brought you in contact with Mr. Macklin. Isn't that true? I was and continue to be very loyal to Mr. Macklin. Loyal? Are you in love with him? Did you hear my question, Mr. Grant? Homosexuality is against God, Mr. Young. Yes, terrible. But are you in love with Jonathan Macklin? No, I am not. Or did you murder Mr. Coleman as a means of pleasing or impressing the man you were secretly in love with? No. Does being gay make you angry, Mr. Grant? Objection! I am not gay. Does being in love with John Macklin cause you to have feelings of Mr. rage? Macklin. Mr. Young, that's enough. This is you like say you're a devout follower of Mr. Macklin. Yes. His teachings YMG. condemn violence, do they not? Oh, yes, man. but in this particular... And yet, when he suddenly gives you a mission, in your mind, to commit murder, 
You just do it. You don't even question us. I considered us Mr. Macklin to be infallible, so Which I fulfilled like the man says eliminate, like, you infer murder, and you don't even ask for a clarification as I to what, what he meant. So I can say, say it's, it's, like, it's a little dicey because I mean, obviously, it's it's a little gross, right? And it's sort of based on like the premise, like that would be anything to be ashamed of or 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 whatever. But also, you're you're also talking to white supremacists, so like, and and bigots, and in and so like it, it's a it it I don't know how to feel about about this. So I totally agree, but you have you know like we've always on on the firm been at some point, especially in murder trials jockeying towards some sort of jurisprudence. So if they can sort of, if he can use this to, if he can leverage this line of questioning, as gross as it may be, to anger this guy or to show a quick uh, a quick loss of temper, he might be able to convince them that he's just a loose trigger, you know what I mean? And, that, and, and kind of uh, discount his, his testimony against Eugene's client. That's my, I mean, that's my take. I mean, possibly, I mean, we know he's a loose trigger. He killed a guy, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, it, it's, it's a little desperate, but you know, I don't, I don't know what else, what else they have, but it's, it, you know, again, like the sort of the gay witch hunt of it all is a little gross, but I, I, I get it. I get it, but it's gross. Yeah. But, I, but, I, but if, 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 if somebody's, if their entire political philosophy, if we want to call it that, I, we could just call it sheer bigotry, but um, or evil. But regardless, if that's based on some sort of quote unquote principles, and then you quickly show them to be hypocrites, well, then. Well, no, and ex exposing hypocrisy as a motivation for murder certainly makes sense to me. Eyewitness, did he mean for you to say to the eyewitness, courtesy of John Macklin, you framed him then just like you're framing him now no, because you're in love with him? Objection! Homosexuality is against God. You're in love with Why him, Mr. Graham. frame him if he was in love And with you're him. lashing out because he doesn't love you back. That is not true. Oh. Mr. Young, that's enough. There you go. Yeah, though, true, I mean, to agree with you, Keith, I, I don't know that his line of questioning helped, helped them in any way there. Okay, you're going to Philadelphia. No, what? Was I'll get Jamie the second chair. There's something on this kid, Jimmy. I know it. You're going to Philadelphia. So uh, we're seeing Spader walking by the one street back lot that we've been on. Everyone lives on this street. <laughs> a lot of a lot of mail goes to that building. Yeah. What is with the house calls? P.S. Oh, okay. And it's Lisa Edelstein. I can't wait for you to list off the laundry list of ways I know her. Well, let me tell you, let me help you with your laundry list. You would, of course, know her from House, the Kaminsky Method 911 Lone Star, West Wing, and interestingly, Five episodes of Ally McBeal, which takes place in the same universe, but as a different character. That's not confusing. I'm looking for Diane Ward. I'm her. Are you, you the sister of the late Richard Ward? Yes. Why is he so taken aback right now? My name is Alan Shore. I represent Roland Huff. It's going to be a question I'm going to have all episodes. May I come in? What do you want? Well, uh, Roland 
asked me to come here to convey his profound sorrow over... Murdering my brother? Yes. Fine. You've done so. Good night, Mr. Short. Forgive me. I'm not feeling wholly satisfied. Is he flirting with her, Keith? I don't uh, know whether He's you... He's definitely being weird. But if not, may I take you to dinner? Why? Is he asking her out? I have the slightest idea. <laughs> I suspect in part because you look like a person who could use some company. Forgive me, I, I don't mean to be presumptuous. Oh, she's, she's a lonely people? But also... This is chivalrous? You strike me as a person who's company I might enjoy. I don't know how I feel about that. I I I have more thoughts on the subject, but I it doesn't none of that makes any sense to me. Like what about that interaction left Alan Shore like completely gobsmacked? Because he's behaving as if like that was some sort of crazy amazing feeling. And she just well, opened the, the door the, and said, The direction hey. is, the, the way it was originally, to me, it was like, oh, he knows her. I can't believe it's you. But clearly that's not it. So the no. next thing I go to is, oh my God, this is love at first sight type of feeling. Or if it's what it seems like they're presenting, the, I came to just do this weird thing, which I don't think he would ever do. I don't think any lawyer would be like, let me go. Oh, you want, oh, you feel bad? You want me to go apologize to the victim's sister? Cool, I'll go do that. And I'll do it unannounced and just knock on her door. And then when she opens the door, I will see so much mourning in her that I'll feel compelled to ask her to dinner. That's, I think that's what it is. I, I think that's what, yes. Like there's something, uh, you know, I, I was going to say this later, but like Lisa Edelstein, right? She's a very good actress. She's and she's a she's a perfectly attractive person, but she on multiple series is like presented as this like um, ethereal goddess, and I don't quite get it. Like on what it's like West Wing, mm -hmm. she's like in the pilot in the beginning of that and, and House and this as if I I don't understand. Like she's a very solid professional talented actress but like i don't understand like what the weird writing worship she gets on multiple series you heard it here first folks keith varney on the internet says that lisa edelstein is not in his league well she's clearly above my league my no, league no, no. is down somewhere no no, in... no that's not what you said i did my graduate studies in sociology at northwestern my focus is it. on race and uh -huh, religion. Uh -huh. And doctor, you're familiar well, with you Mr. Matthews' Church of Divine We're going to introduce Power. Tucker Smallwood most on the stand here as Henry Matthews. And look out, members. he was Dr. McBenson in Free Dental. We're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show, show before. before. Now you get twisted oh. residuals. Papa's warmed up. Papa wanted to record in the morning. After you used to be a dentist, but now you're not a dentist. You used to be a dentist, but now you're not a dentist. That's a great jelly, and your name is Smallwood. That means you're an ocean. Welcome back to the show. 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 Welcome
I hope that, like last week during our oopsies bumper, <laughs> that the bumper doesn't play in the recording and we just hear isolated that. All I said was, you used to be a dentist and now you're not a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't even know he was a dentist. The episode was just free dental. Oh, oh. <laughs> you might have been a dentist, but I do not remember. And now you're definitely not a dentist, but we haven't really listened hard enough to know that you actually still might be a dentist. Uh, was that it? Are we done with that piece that, of, that, of comedy? It. Okay. And were you able timing, to form kids, an timing. opinion as to Mr. Macklin's position on violence? He's against it. Don't misunderstand. There's tremendous hate in what he teaches. But his primary goal is separatism. He calls for the black race to fail. Yes, but I don't believe it's a call for violence. I must tell you, doctor, for an African-American man to be sitting in that chair supporting this defendant... I endorse nothing about the man. His teachings are racist, perhaps dangerous. But there are many prominent voices in the black community who support the idea of separatism. Segregation required us to be self-sufficient. And along with that came a cultural awareness, a sense of identity. Some think we've lost. You sound like a separatist yourself, Professor. I'm not. But I understand the impulse to protect your culture, Mr. Hill. We're becoming more diverse every day. And I think it's fair to wonder if by joining others, we're losing a little sense of self. By the way, for maybe the first time, I'm probably jinxing it. How long are we in here? We're like, we gotta be 20 some minutes into the episode. And for the most part, okay. 13. 13 minutes. Maybe it's too early then. But I was gonna say, I like that thus far, we're just focusing on this one case and we're getting some courtroom action like this is this feels like the practice to me at least yeah or, or two cases but yes yeah but it does really over harlan bassett did yet what's that guy's name i should stop calling him harlan bassett <laughs> roland huff is the yes. character big big eating big big eating big 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 eating all right alan's having uh a meal with the sister. Why are we having lunch? Did you not enjoy dinner last night? I did. Why are we having lunch? I just felt I needed to continue apologizing on Roland's behalf. This feels like the bizarro version of Bobby's kind of dating of the quote-unquote mistress. You know what I mean? Like, these weird scenes of oh, we shouldn't be doing this. Why are we doing this? But it's just like, but sad. And I mean, totally yeah. different context, but it's similar. Like, what are we doing? I'm just like, yes, I, I think, I think, uh, Diane's Lisa Edelstein's character's question of like, what are we doing is exactly what I'm feeling right now. But I, is that the whole point of this episode? The lonely people are they, is the point here that they're just lonely people who have found each other? I just, I mean, oh, it just seems so weird. We're going to find out. We're attractive. Maybe our cold, cold hearts just aren't ready for this, Keith. Why? It could be the way you study me. You did so yesterday as soon as you opened the door. What is it in particular that you're drawn to? Curiosity, suspicion, or simply distrust? 
I think I enjoy the company of inquisitive people, especially when they're perceptive. They often cause me to discover more about myself. So it's all about you. <laughs> Perhaps. And I also find you interesting in your own right. So there's that added bonus. Diane. Would you mind visiting Roland? From what I gather, you may be his only semblance of family. As soon as you can, Jimmy. It's going fast here. He landed in Philadelphia. He's on his way to probation. Well, let's hope he finds something. I testify next? Yes. The main thing is to tell the truth. I plan to. Look at me, Mr. Macklin. Do not expend any time or energy trying to get the jury to like you. That isn't going to happen. Now, I don't mean to offend you, but you need to understand. Our chances have nothing to do with you coming off as a sympathetic or likable guy. Our defense, our only defense, is that you did not commission a murder. Are we clear? Yes. Am I allowed to share with the jury that I'm afraid? It won't help. It's interesting. You're exploring Danny Grant's past when you've expressed no interest in mine. I know who and what you are. You may know my beliefs, but you clearly don't know my heart. There's a soft Maybe he's in love center. with you. Mm. Maybe. What do you think of our expert's testimony on how interracial relationships threaten black culture? What about it? Well, do you believe that at all? Do you? Well, I mean, if all the races became one, it'd be great for world harmony, but the culture won't be black. Does that bother you? Well, clearly, it bothers you. You're being evasive. I was reading this book, The Cornell West Reader. Since when? Since 6 o'clock. And he talks about black cultural distinctiveness, black manners, styles, rhythms, uh, ways of praying and singing. What a rich culture. To think it could be assimilated into white America. Are you talking generally, Jamie? Or is this discussion honing in on you and me? I want to know the answer to that question. Roland. You need to get me out. Roland, we've talked about this. You I can't wait, Tara. They're watching me. They have a guard watching me. Okay, Roland. You made a noose out of your bed sheets. Do you want to take your life, Roland? They refused to come visit me. Who? My children. Well, they say I, I, I'm not their father. Because technically he's not. Also, he murdered their mother. My life, Mr. Shore, 
was Nancy and Richard and my children. They're all gone. There's no life left to take. I'm not a loner. I need people in my life. I... Do you have other family? What about your parents? They're dead. Okay. What needs to happen, Roland, is for you to start building a new life. We're gonna help you do that. I met with Richard's sister, Diane. She's going to come visit. I cannot exist in prison. I know things about myself. I cannot exist in prison. I mean, this whole arc, this whole... It, We're running out of time, arc. Jimmy. I mean, how many addresses have you sorry. checked? Start again. I apologize. It, this, this whole Roland Huff arc has been predicated on us, the audience, being on his side, right? It's all about sympathy for Roland, empathy for Roland. We got to save Roland. He can't be in prison, blah, 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 blah. And I, and I, you know, I do have empathy for him for sure. However, he cold-blooded murdered two people, and yet we're supposed to be like, like desperate to to rescue this guy as if he hadn't done that as if you were innocent You're like it's this this is playing the like he's innocent and we need to get him out cards playing those those notes those chords and yet here we are like we know we did it i agree with you however i don't think it started there right like the issue the issue is that um I don't think they knew where they were going when they started or that they were going to, like, I think they were trying this experiment that we're going to just, like, keep arcs going a little further. And they've had, because as we've seen over the past five episodes, they've retconned the sort of tenor and tone of his whole case three times now. And this latest attempt, they're trying to kind of pigeonhole it into this, I guess, sort of moody theme of this episode where it's like, oh, look at all the lonely people and and Alan's heart goes out to the lonely people because he's one of them. I think that's kind of what we're saying. But what kind of stinks about it is that, like you said, what? why are we ignoring the fact that there are consequences to actions? Yeah, man, he's a poor, I'm sorry that your wife, that the comedy bit of your wife banging some dude to the peppermint twist has has rendered you in prison and you want to commit suicide. That's That's serious shit. But, and maybe this bit of, uh, you gotta build a new life, and maybe I could even buy on if it was a one-time episode thing and it, it had started with this tone from the beginning. But the fact that it's changed tones three times, we've we've detached from caring a long time ago. And so, what? right, so if it's predicated on us feeling sorry for him, I, I don't feel anything for him right now. Yeah, and I, I, I think you're, I mean, I, I think what you just said there illustrates exactly that, because... Uh, I've seen this episode twice in the last like three days and we literally 10 seconds just heard about it and I'd forgotten about the suicide attempt. Right. <laughs> and like, because I just sort of dismissed it because I don't necessarily care. And that feels like if you want us to care about this guy, let's see that. Why is that happening off camera? My why, fear, why? my fear. And because, you know, I just, it's interesting. 
what I had said prior was that it doesn't, it, it feels like the practice, right? In my last little rant, I was like, this feels like the practice. What yeah. the new identity of the practice and where I fear this is going is let's set up a let's set up some cards of some of a of a client going through some shit and let's find a way for Alan Shore to to do something slight bend the rules slightly or do something uh, unorthodox to make it better. So this feels like in some way he's going to use his position or the law or do some twisty twist to make to help roll and start a new life. Like Alan makes yeah. people better. And that isn't what the show's identity has been. You didn't see Bobby going around and freaking like Deus mocking shit. Yeah, well, they, they, they've always used the law as opposed to subverted the law to make these things happen. But I, but I, I think what the issue, because yeah, as we've been talking about, thinking about, I think the issue with the the Roland Huff story is, and again, this is like a like a writing from a writing standpoint, you know, and you you ask like, what is the best advice you can give a writer? And that is, don't tell us to feel something. Show us something that makes us feel that. And this whole arc, they've been telling us to feel bad for this guy, as opposed to showing us parts of this guy that we would feel bad for. And yeah. so it's all happening, happening off camera. We're just like, trust us. Our especially heroes feel bad like, for this guy. So we must have when to. There's a, there's a plot and, and like a good episode happening. Like, yeah. let's just, let's keep the camera there. And let's give Tara a line, maybe. <laughs> We're running out of time, Jimmy. I mean, how many addresses have you checked out? Kids at home, that's what's called Keep a telephone. Keep going in her. We used to use those uh, when we didn't have cell phones. You used to have to put it up against your okay. face. It's weird. What's the problem? What problem? Doors slamming, dishes clanking. What's the issue? You're black. Mike was I'm right. I'm white. Mike was right. For you to consider it such a non-issue, I just don't get it. That's all. Clearly it's an issue with you, so let's have it. My issue is your denial. You wouldn't be in any denial yourself then, huh? What is this? Are you? What's happening? I don't think so. I'm I'm the one raising it. But why? Although this is the most realistic portrayal of of a relationship that they've had on the show. An issue that is not that neither of us is really actually concerned about, but we're fighting about it because because that's But we're not admitting that that's what we're fighting about. <laughs> yeah. It's like what's wrong? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. you just slammed the door for no reason? Eh, not no reason. It's your problem. I'm just the only one. Oh, God. Here we go. I didn't slam the door. What are you talking about? Why are you being so oversensitive about the door slams? That is, I like the, the days where you think you're having a good day, and then all of a sudden you, you're thinking to yourself, you're like taking a piss or something, you're thinking to yourself, wait, am I, are we in a fight? Am I fighting? I didn't, I didn't even know. I wasn't I, it, even it, aware. It's true. Yeah. I'm but always the second to one to know. Now I have to like, I have to be upset because I can't, I can't unilaterally just be in a fight. <laughs> Eleanor, would you date a black man? Oh. Yes. And I have. Would you marry a black man? Would there be a reason I shouldn't? What is... What's going on? 
sort of know, because I've seen the rest of the episode, Hello. but I still don't quite know. I'm looking for a Bernice Johnson. Do I look like Bernice to you? Does she live here? Not anymore. Do you know where That's I might find Muscat. it? You got 50 bucks? This is like My mission has always been clear. Law and order. To reclaim strength claws. for the white race. Okay. That's politics. But we're sitting in the room today because someone was murdered. Which I was not involved in. I've never supported violence, even in theory. I did not endorse the murder of Mr. Coleman or anyone else. Danny Grant said you did. Danny Grant is either mistaken or he is a liar. I can only surmise that he did what he thought would please me. I'd suffered a very public defeat in court. I was angry. Perhaps he decided to avenge that defeat. If so, he chose a manner I find deplorable. Did you ever tell Mr. Grant to eliminate Mr. Coleman? No, I did not. I did say, after losing in court, these defeats are unacceptable. We cannot allow for people such as Mr. Coleman to undermine our cause. That's what I said, my precise words. Now, here's a quote from one of your sermons. The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots. Did you say that? I was quoting Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson was discussing a revolution. So was I, a nonviolent one. Nonviolent with blood. It's a figure of speech, a speech made by one of the founding fathers of our country. Oh, so you are a fan of Thomas Jefferson's? In another sermon, you condemned his soul to hell. My condemnation there was aimed at reports that he had had sexual relations with one of his slaves. A black slave? It's against God. What do you think of homosexuality? That, too, is against God. In fact, you condemned homosexuality in a sermon two years ago, did you not? I have done so many times. Yes. Well, the day after this time, two of your parishioners beat a gay man half to death. Objection, prejudice. And now they sit in prison. I never ordered them to do that. They just got it wrong. Yes. Like Danny Grant got it wrong when after a conversation with you, he killed Arnold Coleman. Yes. I mean, you could really see it going either way because Bail. he's clearly for a double homicide case. Your Honor, in addition to my client having like no prior record, up I don't particularly care. Roots in the community and posing very little flight risk. His trial is scheduled for next week. His emotional stability is being jeopardized by his ongoing confinement. You have a medical affidavit confirming as much. I would submit to ensure Mr. Huff's ability to competently Bam. contribute to his defense. Counsel, the man shot two people. You are claiming automatism as a defense. How can I release a guy who can't control himself? That breakdown was triggered by a very specific event. He discovered... You know, Keith, I think the annals of time will show that this podcast really, aside from maybe bringing a slight uh, knowledge or acknowledgement to a, a show that was under criminally under-remembered... Um, Really didn't really didn't offer much to the uh, 
the betterment of the public. However, all it's really achieved. I was really wondering where you're going with yeah, this. <laughs> it's uh, it, all it's really achieved is that now, no matter where I am in the world, mm. I publicly comment uh, when I see a fan to to, yeah. to the benefit of no one. That's it. One inside joke that we we created uh, on this podcast that only you and I do mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. has has w- worked its way into my everyday life. That's all I'm gonna we, say. But I gotta say, look the the Kmart near our uh, house is is closing. It's one of the last four Kmart's in the world, and it's closing. And uh, I got this here USB beautiful Chrome fan, uh, you know, for eight dollars. Wow his lifelong best friend in bed with his wife. My client has no more best friends. He has no more wives. The situation isn't likely to repeat itself. You know what your problem is, counsel? You ooze smug. I don't like smug. He does. Your Honor, this is Diane Ward. He does She is smug. the sister of one of the victims. Even she is here willing to extend some compassion. This forum isn't about indulging tears or compassion or some misplaced self-righteousness, counsel. It's about enforcing the letter of the law. Under the law, I do not grant bail to double homicide defendants. Your motion is denied. The defendant goes back into custody. Okay. I'm sorry. I tried to stay strong, Roland. It's only a week till the trial. I don't know if I can make it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Of course they've lost. You can't just argue that prison is stressful, so therefore I shouldn't be in it. When you murdered somebody. To point out, Lisa Edelstein is there in the court, staring him down. All set? One second. Something on your mind, Jamie? You're black. Is she gonna just say it again? I'm Jewish, which you know. Half Jewish. By blood. I was raised Jewish. I consider myself Jewish. Okay, and? And? The Jewish culture is being threatened by intermarriage. And while the truth is, as I look to my future, I don't see myself sharing it with someone who's not Jewish. Jamie, if you want out, just say you want out. I think but she don't just said she some religious out. reason for why we I'm have- I'm not inventing. Fine. You're Jewish, you want out, we're done. Anything else? You have an odd little house. Can I get you a cup of coffee or? No, I better get going. As I told you, I have a trial rapidly approaching. Diane, would you perhaps consider testifying on Roland's behalf? Are you using me? 
I'm not sure. I am very drawn to you. But can I separate my fascination from my need to have you at trial for Roland? I'm not sure. Keith, I want to tell a, a quick anecdote because it something about that beat with Jamie doesn't isn't sitting with me well. Yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to leave open the door for multiple interpretations and I will say this. I was briefly involved with a uh a Jewish woman, very nice, and she had very similar uh feelings as to Jamie there. That or I don't want to say to, to, the, to that not about the Jewish faith blah blah, but basically I'm going to marry a Jewish guy eventually. Mhm. Um she told me that straight up, day one, when we kind of, things are moving in a certain direction, she was like, this isn't gonna be like a dating, like this is a very casual thing if you're interested because there's no like, if because I my, my religious beliefs are, I, I'm very open about them, like I, I'm not, I don't try to pretend. So, right. so we, it was a casual relationship that I agreed to right off the bat. Point being, if you feel that strongly, about a scenario, you generally bring it up, especially since she, there were so many uh, hoops that she jumped through in the beginning. We work together. That's a problem. You're she closed off. She worked so of, hard to start the relationship. Yeah. Right. You'd think she would have been like, but this is going to be a casual work fling because X, Y, Z. It doesn't sound like she's just coming. I don't think she's inventing it. And it doesn't And it doesn't sound like she has been questioning her faith. It seems like this is a pretty, a pretty, well, it's I, weird. Well, interestingly, I mean, I, I mean, a yes, I think it is the type of thing like, especially once you're at a certain age and you're, you need to have this sort of discussion about like, are you planning to have kids, probably relatively early in a relationship, uh, because you know it's time to call make some decisions there, um, that this would certainly fall under that category so as to define the type of relationship that you're going to have. So I, I, you know, that I totally get. I think from from Jamie's point of view, weirdly, I think the testimony there and our racist guy's beliefs sort of spurned her to start thinking about it. And not necessarily from a racist place, but from a place of like, you know, that she's reading Colonel West. Like it's, it's, I don't know. Like I, I feel like these, she maybe hadn't really given it much thought before this happened. And that's what triggered it. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I'll, I'll yeah. take it. Not, I, I'm, I'm not certainly sure. not saying I agree with her, but I think I see well, where the reasoning it's, is. It's it's her. When you that's said her before, prerogative. I was an you know attractive woman. We don't have to believe. Uh, agree I said that because I find you attractive. That's shitty for Eugene, but I mean, it is what it is. Would you sleep with me tonight? Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> you don't have to be physical. I. I would just really like to fall asleep next to somebody. What it's is been so long since... This is one of those things I need to read I the IMDb. Like I'd love to read the reviews time. because I just, are people feeling what they're supposed to be? Because I'm not. Are you impeachable? It could just be our cold, cold, dead hearts. I mean, I but get I'm, it, yes, people are lonely, they're couple, but they're like... I think Roland was abused by his father. If that helps with his trial. 
He killed Sexually my He killed yes. your brother. And his mother is an alcoholic. If that counts for anything. He he said his family was dead. Well, they may as well be. His mother's never sober. And his father is a Croatian diplomat who's almost always out of the country. I mean, she's got more empathy. That's she's why got he has a so well of empathy that I don't have access to. His parents were gone, really. Would this be helpful at his trial? Would you just sleep over? Diane, you have <laughs> That's no where idea. we're at, Keith, on the practice. But meanwhile, she just like Deus Ex Machina the whole thing. Yes. And also, you know, look, I'm all for multi-dimensional characters, but I need somebody to explain the psychopathy of of Alan Shore that the, the character they're building because uh, he was like uh, he had sexual issues a couple weeks ago, and then he's had the, like weird perverted stuff last week, and now he's like, and then he was like super empathetic, and now he's like. Hey, look, we don't have to do anything sexual. I just want to hang out and lay together in bed and have dinner because that's how, like, that's the kind of supportive guy I am. But we know he's like, it, it, there's incongruences that that bother me. I mean, there's, well, there's I, it's one thing to be multi-dimensional, and there's another thing to just be like, let's just throw in all the ingredients. You know what I mean? Well, and 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 again, like all of these, it's the same thing with the, with the telling showing thing here. They're just sort of announcing I'm having these big, giant, weird feelings without showing us why. Like they're just sort of like announcing I'm having, I'm doing this, I'm feeling this. I, I don't, I don't see any reason for anybody to be feeling any of the things that they're feeling right now. Doesn't make any I mean, sense to me. I mean, like I, I'm guessing that they're saying that these feelings translate to the reason why she, the per person who is a, whose whose sibling was murdered, is going to be the one providing the information to, to I don't no, want to say I, save I, Roland, but I don't know that. Well, what are they I, trying I to do with Roland? That. Are they trying to get I, him out of prison? Found not guilty? Him, well, well, they haven't done the trial yet. They're trying to get him out of prison before the trial starts because prison is hard on him. And I, like, I, I get that. But it's like, like all of this is predicated on them sort of like staring at each other for a while. And like all of us, like all of a sudden, you have this huge like forced intimacy, this forced understanding, this forced whatever. They just sort of like locked eyes for about as long as you do when you get takeout, and now all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, I understand your soul." It, it's very strange. <sighs> Wait, now Jimmy's going to that building? He's in Philadelphia now. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. They changed the number out. Now it's two. It's two. Hello, my name is James Berludi. I'm looking for a Mrs. Bernice Johnson. Speaking. I'm looking for the mother of Daniel Johnson, now known as Daniel Grant. Speaking. Oh, the twisty twist, Keith. Here it is. I'm He's half looking black. for the mother of this man. This is Alpha Richards as Bernice Johnson. Here I am. Now, what do you want? Uh, your son capped a dude? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Croatian. Yeah, I need hey, all the research Tara Tara. Line. Not just. Well, this is all of it. And here's the statute followed by the treaty. Uh. What's going on? Now, Keith, some would say that the plan G at the top of the episode was less a function of the actual case and more of a function to just throw us the twisty twist. That's right. 
Yeah. It was a gay herring. What? Call our judge, Tara. Make an appointment. I don't need to talk to you. Danny, I just- Please don't speak to me in familiar terms after what your colleague subjected me to. Implying I'm a homosexual? Look, your mother, she didn't even know that you committed a murder or that you were in jail. What a surprise. I haven't spoken to my mother in over five years. Look, it's not uncommon for a biracial man to think of himself as white. But to become a white supremacist? Yeah, that's pretty fucked up, man. Are you really a white supremacist, Danny? Or do you consider yourself black? And you found the perfect way to take down a racist? If I were black, do you really think I'd murder a black man to make a point? I killed because I know it's what Mr. Macklin wanted. Because I'm devoted to him, because I would do anything for him. And I'm not gay, Mr. Berluti. Oh, I don't believe you're gay anymore. Your mother, she also gave me a picture of your father. She didn't think you even knew his identity. But that would be just too big a coincidence, wouldn't it, Danny? Oh, double twist. Double twist. My son. Macklin's is dead. You had a brief affair with this Bernice 20 years ago. I never. She's positive. She says this man is the father. She's lying. Mr. Macklin, this is very good news. It's new evidence we can use to impeach Danny Grant. At a minimum, we expose a It's a lie being told by my enemies. Well, if it's a lie, it can get you acquitted, so why don't No! We... I will not let my enemies destroy me. I will not let my attorneys destroy me. We're not trying to destroy you. We... This information is false. You will not present it. telling me you'd rather go to prison for the rest of your life than I let it be known that you have a son who's half black uh, yes that's what I'm saying you will not speak of this information Another good performance from John Welker. Yes. And we're getting to see different colors. And the, res the restraint. I am not pleased to be back here, Counsel. Actually, Your Honor, I have splendid news. I think you'll be delighted. May I? Please. It turns out Roland Huff's father is a Croatian diplomat, and as such is a party to the conventions and treaties which grant immunity. Full immunity to representatives of foreign sovereignties, which, and I apologize if I'm oozing smug, but it's just too delicious. The immunity extends to children. Isn't it wonderful? Roland gets to go free. What the hell is this? I suspected you might be ill-inclined to accept my words, so joined with me is Martin Adler from the Department of Justice. Good morning, Your Honor. 
I represent the United States and appear at the request of the defendant, but certainly not in support of him. Regretfully, Mr. Huff has two valid claims of immunity. He is, in fact, the son of a diplomat. He is also listed as a member of his nation's mission. You have the declarations before you, which I'm loath to this say are played by David Startsky, who was also you are here from the Office he of International Affairs, requesting Mr. Huff's unconditional release. We have contacted the Croatian government, urged them to waive Mr. Huff's immunity. Unfortunately, this is a government that hardly ever does so. This man shot and killed two people in cold blood. The main thing, Your Honor, is not to indulge compassion or tears or especially misplaced righteousness, but simply he, to enforce the letter of the law. What's happening? You could hold me in contempt if it would make you feel better. As far as, like, writing is concerned. Loathe. It's so convenient. I, I just can't believe it. I feel like I could cry. Forget convenient. I wouldn't do it's, that. It's as bad as doing something like it, it's 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 pro wrestling, right? Where you write a storyline that makes something very clearly the good guy or very clearly a bad guy, and like if this was a if he was a really bad bad guy, right? And then there's a last minute Deus Machina that gets them off for murder. We're supposed to be oh how terrible, but now because they've spent so many episodes telling us oh so sad for him he's he's not gonna he's such a nice guy. He's not going to do good in prison. We're supposed to be like elated that he's get let out here. It, it's some bullshit. It doesn't make any. It's 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 emotional manipulation that doesn't make any fucking sense. Well, it's also it's manipulation that doesn't manipulate. It didn't work. It's just not. It's not even like oh well, that was yeah. shitty because I felt bad for the kitten even though it was like really trite. Like I don't feel anything. It doesn't even. But it's not even interesting. That's the thing. It, oh, he's a Croatian diplomat. What? Now on the other hand, that I think. Some might disagree, but I think the twisty twist in the other case is actually compelling. It's adding a wrinkle, and he's look. We hate this guy's ideals, but he's standing by them to the to the sacrifice of his own freaking freedom. Right? Yeah. There's no, a catch, I, I, Roland. I agree. You'll need to leave the country. What? Yeah, you need to leave the country and go where? Not Croatia. Croatia? Portugal. No, Mr. Oh, Adler right. over there and those officers. They'll be taking you to the airport. Possibly as early as tonight. Never been to Croatia. Unfortunately, that's the way the law works. It's either prison here or... I don't even know anybody there. Why are you I came so came here when I was three. Roland, you need to start a new life. Maybe this is best. Maybe this is You might not get the chance to do thing. that in this country. Not truly. Yeah. We're supposed to feel bad for him. He's in sad music. Kids. Yeah, yeah, I do. Keith, who knew the day would come where Alan Shore had more empathy than Keith and Mike? Yeah, well, you know, that. How much. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just can't. Yeah, I was going to say we don't have empathy then. normally, but we do. We do. We're nice people. But not for this racism guy, run so deeply you gotta be kidding it was 
not a Jewish thing. Oh, shit. What is it, then? I adore you. And I... But it's... A man-woman thing. I want to break up. I've, uh... Mike was right, but he's upset about it. So many excuses to conceal the real one. I'm not interested. Jamie, you and I is just a thing. You both know that it's no big deal. It isn't? Since we work together, it's probably not too practical for us to be here. You know? So let's just move on. Jury's back. Let's go. I don't, I don't love what they're doing with the Jamie character, but we've, David e. Kelly doesn't, there's a, seems to be a pattern about how he writes women, uh, but I'll leave that. But what I do want to say is, I think the way Steve Harris played that is really excellent, right? Yeah. He should be hurt because to feign religion or racism or whatever, to it, look, she was pretty, she was pretty frank. I'm not interested. She, I ain't into you. Um, that's hurtful, especially when he, you know, he, it was hard. It's hard for Eugene to clearly to get into relationships and coming out and this was tough. And then to have some, and, and look, we all been there to somebody be like, I just ain't into you. That's hurtful. Yeah. No, it definitely is. Um, but if the pattern holds, she's going to be incredulous that he's blowing it off, that he's trying to dis conceal his, uh, his hurt feelings. His hurt. Yeah. No. And yeah. I mean, like it's, it's messy. I get it. Like a breakup is just messy and people come up with all sorts of stupid reasons why and this and like I get it. But I don't know. Like it, it honestly, of all the things that happened, the human element of that storyline made the most sense to me. Yes. I, I don't understand the you. human element of any other part of this episode. But I that would, one's I like, yeah, okay, I get it. And at least they did it in a, in an episode rather than a Bobby Lindsay entire season breakup. Well, yes. Well, this storyline only not really late. makes sense if he goes to I'm prison. in God's hands now, Mr. Young. Madam Farperson, I understand the jury has reached a verdict. We have, Your Honor. Will the defendant please rise? What say you? Commonwealth versus Jonathan Macklin on the charge of murder in the first degree. We, the jury, find the defendant, Jonathan Macklin, guilty. Members of the jury, we thank you. Security, take the defendant into custody. We're adjourned. I'm sorry. This is what he intended. Good luck. Thank you. I'll be fine. 
interestingly ambiguous look back from Macklin to Eugene there, but I think it was thank you. We're back with Edelstein. I was so sure after the case was over that. That you were expendable? Just the opposite, Diane. Do you mind? Zero chemistry. Hey, Keith, they're playing Cry. Yes, they are. Would this you like was to my big number in Forever Plaid. I would, but... I don't know. Extracted the entirety of the of the uh, Huff storyline and this whole thing. I think that would have been a pretty great episode. Because in the context of the show, right, it's Jinx is supposed to be super shy and quiet and like he's very, very, very nervous. And then he like freaks out in that song and like goes, goes nuts. And, and I, I finished that song and there was a lady in the front row because we were like right, right up in the audience, like literally feet from the uh, lady in the front row. She looks at me and it's like, I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of us for getting through that episode. And so we should now talk about it. And I'm going to tell you all about what happened in a variety mm -hmm. of segments, starting with one we like to call... Mm, two, three, four. Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Segment! Segment! So there was like some racism stuff, and then but also some gay stuff, and like some confusion thereof, and like the racist guy has a has a like half black son because he's like hooking up with his mom and but he can't like let that be known so he goes to jail and then like the other guy finally that storyline comes to a close he goes to Croatia because reasons but all of that really leads to the meat of the story which is Alan like is hooking up with that guy's dead brother-in-law's sister because reasons and mm -hmm. there you go mm -hmm. all right yeah that sounds about right now can you uh do that again in many fewer syllables Sure, and hopefully you can hear the bumper this time so it's not just us making funny beep and bloop noises. 
<laughs> Maybe. Should I do the coughing now? Do we not hear it? I don't hear or see anything. Well, it was supposed to be running now. Here, I got gotcha. you. <coughs> oh, weird. Okay, yeah. well, anyway, uh, the high coopsie is maybe that's why we haven't been hearing it. <laughs> we usually hear it, but anyway, yeah, uh, we usually do. A gay red herring. A lot of questions this week. A gay red herring. Roland is lonely. We're sad. Sins of the father. Hmm. Hmm. No. Indeed. Yeah. Well, I think that's I think that's pretty much what it is. All right. Well, it is time for the Oopsie Awards, which uh, if Mike's not playing the bumper, I got you, Bo. Maybe. Let the eagle soar like she's never soared before from Rocky Coast. To golden shore. Let, Let the mighty eagle soar. Okay, well, that's good. What the hell are the Oopsies? Well, Jackie, they're a fake award show that begin every it week. It doesn't work anymore. It's so no. weird. Yeah, well, you know, once you get a little older, it happens. Um, well, Keith, um, uh, I mean, I feel bad. You know what's kind of sad is that they sent, they spent so much money sending Jimmy all over the goddamn world to do PI work, and they didn't mm -hmm. even use the information. Poor Jimmy. Uh, That's true. That's true. All of that was for, for nothing. For Jimmy went all the way to Philadelphia, of all places. So look. I think we have to, in one of those rare occasions where we have to give it to the other guy, he got his conviction on an innocent man. Well, we don't know that he was innocent, to be honest. He still might Ew. have ordered the... I think it seems fairly clear he was guilty. Anyway, regardless, we got our conviction. So uh, congratulations to... Uh, let's see. Let's see who... Was it Dennis Arndt? Uh, that's the actor. You're thinking ADA Roland Hill. Yes, I am. Thank you, IMDb. I, I think he's our he's our guy. Uh, I I agree with you that he is deserving of one, but I'm going to give it to Alan because he uncovered the Deus Ex Croatia of it all. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and and not necessarily for rescuing the character, but from rescuing us from that storyline. You <laughs> get. You know what? That's fair. Very the, fair. M-V-L. All right, coming up next. Already, Already famous. Been on TV, getting a page. First entry on your IMDb. Way to go. Oh, you the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. Guys, nobody... Uh, taking on playing a uh, racist guy, especially one who's uh, murderous, is never easy. Uh, and once again, for two weeks in a row, David Starzik really... Uh... Oh, censored. Censored. Oh, yeah. This is the 
fully censored life right now. Keep going. Uh, it really pulled it together and uh, showed us a lot of different colors. In fact, a, a quiet defiance, a quiet rage. You know, I always am compelled by people who hold back their tears on on film rather than just letting them fly because restraint yeah. is very difficult to to perform effectively. And I think once again he showed this is an incredible. In fact, I'd go beyond saying it's a good performance. This is an incredible performance by David Starzik in playing a, a terrible human being. Um, yeah, multi layered, multi dimensional, which we said during the episode. And uh, yeah, it's yeah. This is two weeks in a row. I think he deserves it. Yeah, no, I I think he does too. I mean, I think it's a John Walcott, uh, and and I think he's like you said. Like, there's there's an opportunity what, what, what for I, what did I give credit to just now? Uh, not not the right person. Oh, you're right. Dave, I Martin. Who was Martin Adler? Martin Adler's David Startzik. Right, but who who was that in the episode? Oh, uh, who the hell was he in the episode? Oh. He was uh oh, he was the attorney that came in at the end uh for the oh, feds. Right. So I gave I just gave him an award uh that he you didn't sure deserve did. I now I have to like take it back. It's no, like well, a bad look, Academy to, Awards. To be fair, to it's be like the fair, moonlight. He was a uh he was a returner and I didn't play the bumper. Okay. So I think he deserves to have at least the taste of an award that is so callously the Out of Practice podcast is officially re uh, revoking the oh, no. oopsie that was given to David Starzik uh, and will be awarding it on Mike's behalf to John Walcott uh, yeah. for playing uh, an evil racist. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. All right. Now it is time for... You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show uh my apologies to jessica capshaw i thought she had a very good performance but the writing was so bizarre and weird to me and uneven and, and out of nowhere for me for her that i can't give her the award it took me out of it that much so i'm going once again with steve harris for if for nothing else he did some great work in the courtroom yes 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 he did some great room in scenes with our boy john walcott but for very explicitly, the scene where Jamie breaks up with him for a variety of reasons, or whatever reasons, whatever the truth is, the way Eugene played that hurt and the defense of that hurt literally reached inside of me and plucked out about three memories of my own life of mm. just, I've been there. With, yeah. And I... I felt that those i could feel exactly what the character was going through and guess what clearly he's not feeling those things because he's an actor <laughs> but i felt them so that is what the that is what the art is and uh <laughs> that's is what great. acting is kids yep. he is great at it and so uh yes. here's my fake award oh yeah no i i agree with you i i don't think i found uh jessica's or jamie's same difference uh whole story there as incomprehensible like i think i i i get it i mean like when we're searching for an explanation as to why we don't want to be with somebody we want to come up with literally anything we possibly can other than i just don't want to be with you and sure 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 but it just but you've we've if we're going to do something like that and especially kind of obfuscate it with some serious potential issues like religion and race. Yeah. Um 
which I'm not saying is implausible, you've shown no hint that in previous episodes this season that she's not interested. In fact, quite to the contra- contrary. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's, it, and again, like it's very abrupt. Everything this season is very abrupt and not set Except up. Except for the uninteresting things like this storyline, which of, was not abrupt. And we're just, you know, again, we're being told stuff, not shown stuff. Um, but that, that was my, that was my, like my favorite part of the episode was that strangely. All right. Uh, but yes, I believe Steve Harris gets the best actor award now it is time uh, for cloud lover 69's favorite segment the tom brady award for being tom brady oh boy um I, what is even what is this i can't make a uh, the, the themes of this episode don't really support a funny tom brady joke mm. um Tom Brady flying first class to Croatia. Tom Brady. Oh, Tom Brady flying first class. First class, of course. Croatia. All right. There it is. Uh, Congratulations. Tom Brady flying first class to Croatia. Tom Brady. And now it is time. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. So for the most part, I found the arc and story of the Eugene case to be one of my, not what no, my favorite arc of the season. Because it's the most practice-like and the most, uh, something we've seen through, or that we've, you know, we've, we've seen through from beginning to end, which I really dig. And I think... Yeah, I think that it was an, some interesting ideas brought up. I thought the twisty twist was earned and served the plot and served the case. I think the outcome, though, clearly pretty much, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The outcome was very predictable. Once we knew, all, once all the cards were on the table, it still was effective. And I think it it asks some questions, it raised some points, and it doesn't, It you know, clearly I think we know where David E. Kelly stands, but it doesn't, the re- resolution doesn't necessarily make us feel great, right? It, it, the whole thing is is gross, the whole, you know, but, it's, but it worked for me, and I like that we saw a whole case, and we saw, the only thing we were lacking was like a, a quality closing time, but regardless, high marks for me. Um, I think that was good. The... The Roland Huff thing, I'm glad it's over. The resolution, I guess, is unique, but this is a case where I had no I, I really still can't put, wrap my head around what they were trying to say and why it took six episodes to say it. The mm. whole thing was just a it was a swing and a miss for me, just across the board. Add so you're losing some marks there. Add to that the the Alan Shore with the sister. Th- Keith, we're going to need help from the audience because I just don't know what the hell it is, what is happening. I'm so confused. I really wish that the Eugene case had kind of, it had been a standalone about that and they hadn't just like muddied the waters with all this other stuff. Because I have to say that like ultimately what could have been an 8.5 gets knocked down to like a 7, a 7. 
A seven. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there, there's some things that I liked about this episode, right? As a standalone, the Jamie Eugene thing, it felt very human. It felt very, I mean, it's sort of dicey, right? But it is also, like, I got it. The actors were really good. It felt very abrupt in context. Um, but, you know, it, it did make me feel for Eugene at the end of that. So, like, what, you know, I'm here to feel, right? So, I'm here to feel and I'm here to think. Um, you know, so I, I didn't, I, I liked that. Um, the Roland Huff thing, you know, I, I, you said it. I think we've been saying it the whole time. Like, I don't know what we're trying to say here. I don't know what we're supposed to be feeling. Um, whatever it is, I'm not feeling it because I don't feel anything about that. It's like, yeah, he's a sad sack. And yeah, his wife was horrible to him, but also he murdered people. So that's just like the whole thing is a mess. I mean, if he hadn't murdered his wife, then I think we would be feeling pretty bad for him. We'd be on his side, but, uh, you know, he did. So, you know, don't, don't, don't do that. So, um, the abrupt Croatia of it all, it, it, it's, it's sort of lazy writing because if he were a diplomat, you know, we know he wasn't the brightest tool in the shed, but like he had to know his father was a diplomat. He had to know that there was some sort of immunity as a part of that. He had to at, le at least told them. I mean, why would he say that his parents were dead? What's his motivation for hiding the fact that his parents are still alive and that his father is a diplomat, right? What's his motivation for doing that? It makes no sense. There's no explanation for why for that. And if he had said that, then not, we wouldn't be here, right? So it feels like very undercooked, it's underthought. Um, and I have a, I have an even bigger question about motivations, right? So we've had this twisty twist in the case that we liked better, right? Andrew leads. Oh, it turns out it's his, you know, it, it, he wasn't in love with him. He's his son, right? So what, maybe you can help me with this, Mike. What are Andrew Leeds's motivations in this case? Right? Because if he, if he was trying to defend his father, right? If he loved his father, he's trying to defend his father. Why is he testifying against him? If he was out to get his father, why is he defending him so much? What, like, what, what's, what's, what was his game plan? What was he trying to accomplish? You know, I think his motivations, Keith, the only one that makes remote sense, it, well, it doesn't make sense, but I, I think that what we're supposed to think is that he was trying to frame him, right? I think that's it. That's the end. But like you said, it doesn't... He, the, but his, why? His, why? He why was, frame him? I, I don't know. I, I'm just trying to help. <laughs> that's what <laughs> I'm saying. Like, the it's, motivations don't make any sense, it's, right? It's, it's not great. Because if he was trying to... Like, all right, so let's let's say he was going under the, like, I'm going to infiltrate this place and take down this asshole as my father. Why would you put yourself in prison for murder for the rest of your life? Well, okay, hold on. Hold on. Uh, now we're going to, let's sleuth this shit. So 
if if that's the case, if he wants to frame his father because fuck that racist asshole, okay? Right. Okay. Fair enough. Then it it seems unlikely that the mom who Jimmy discovered would have no idea that this was happening. Like you'd think the kid was must love his mother and would be in contact with the mother, but it seemed from the interaction with Jimmy and the mother that she wasn't really aware of what was going on with either of them. Right. So I feel like we can rule that out because it's it doesn't make a lot of sense. So let's go to the okay. He was on his dad's side. He doesn't want to admit to being black and really went out to do like this mission, and maybe he just made a mistake in uh, saying his name at the end, like evoking his name. Well, so then. All right, but but if he's if he's actually defend if if he's actually like defending his father, uh huh, right. Even if he makes the mistake by saying his name, he's still testifying against him. Absolutely. After that, yeah. So, yeah, I don't I don't know, man. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah, and the and the Lisa Edelstein of it all, I don't understand. I don't know what's happening, but I'm assuming we're going to get more of that moving forward. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to think about this. Uh, eh, you get a, uh, you gave it a seven. I'm going to, I'm feeling generous today. I'm going to give it a 7.11 because it okay. wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. It just, you know, uh, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> that was I, I could have just you know saved us a lot of time and just reviewed it with yeah yeah so there it is, folks. If you would like to leave a as a review for us on Apple Podcasts, we will gratefully let you join the jury and read it online. Uh, you know, while you're there, you can also reach out to us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social medias on Out of Practice Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You know, while we're talking about it, let us say thank you to our founding sponsors, Jorge Novoa and the newly renewed cloud number 69. Also, Leanne Wrights, Jennifer Masanova, and Kari Kuhn. If you'd like to join them for the next few weeks, actually, it's never going away because people might listen to this in the future. There are two links in our show notes where you can help out and help us offset the cost of this episode and doing the podcast. In addition, you can actually um, help us out by listening and telling somebody else to listen to the podcast. Uh, We appreciate your time and we thank you for rolling with us all these years. It uh, feels like since we were young, young men, and now we've become aged, older men. At the end of the day, where's this going? I, I sadly have to say that Keith and I will be leaving the podcast as we have to fly to Croatia to save ourselves from the terrible content we put on the internet. Uh, interestingly, those plane jet sounds sound like laser <laughs> sounds. <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, Tom Brady. Maybe flying first class, but that joke was strictly coach. Laser sounds. Yes.